Eagle Nation, you're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. So it is official, official now. Uh, the rumors were true. Georgia Southern is headed to Montgomery, Alabama for the Camellia Bowl. We now know who our opponent's going to be, and that's Eastern Michigan. Uh, so, you know, a team that not a lot of people um, expected to hear, uh, you know, on on uh, Selection Sunday there, uh, Cody. You know, we, we were thinking Buffalo or uh, maybe Ohio, but Eastern Michigan uh, get, gets the call, and um We'll we'll definitely talk about them a little bit in that matchup uh, later in this this episode, um, but uh, just just kind of surprising there. Yeah, very surprising. But at the end of the day, uh, they're our opponent, and we need to treat them with the respect that they have earned um, as a seven win team in the MAC conference. And um, like with any football game, if you don't show up to play, you will get beat. So we need to come out here and uh, be prepared and get ready um, for uh, RD seven fifteenth uh, matchup. So we will talk about that uh, that matchup between uh, the two Eagles uh, a little bit later on. Um, but first, Cody, let's get into uh, the award season. You know, it's it's kind of ironic doing this podcast. We've been going a, a week at a time, and obviously we had we had a bye week in there with a little bit of a break. But you, you would think that it would be a little bit of a, a slow news week, you know, if you will, with with uh, not playing a game. Uh, since since November there in Atlanta against uh, uh, Georgia State, but man, the, these last uh, the, you know week week and a half um, have been so so busy uh, with just the, the the bowl announcements and then the awards and uh, you've got uh, you know the coaching carousel which we'll get into with uh, you know Scott Satterfield leaving for Louisville just just a lot going on um, even though Georgia Southern hasn't played a football game in uh, you know a, a couple of weeks yeah tons tons of uh, things going on tons of, of of things to talk about but yeah as far as uh, this this past week week and a half it certainly has not been slow since our first uh, or since our last football game. So definitely some things that we need to talk about, especially with those Sunbelt Awards um, that was issued out about, I guess, about a week ago now. Yeah. So uh, so that's Cody and Matt. Uh, you're listening to Gotta Talk, and uh, let's get it going. Yeah, let's get it, Matt. So talking about those awards, Cody, uh, you had 12 Georgia Southern players uh, selected for either uh, first, second, third team, or honorable mention um, uh, by the Sun Belt Conference. You know, uh, a lot of people, uh, myself, yourself included, uh, were not happy with uh, with how everything panned out, especially, you know, Shy Wirtz uh, getting just uh, honorable mention, and then uh, obviously Coach of the Year with uh that you know the fact that uh, Chad Lunsford could uh, take a team just 2 and 10 last year to a 9 and 3 record, you know, a win in the bowl game, he'll become become just the second coach ever in in uh, 150 years of college football to take a team with uh double digit losses to double digit wins in one year. Um so the fact that that uh that he basically got straight up shafted for that award um, and, you know, it went to Scott Satterfield, who's now on his way out the door, um, headed to Kentucky and, and Louisville. Um, you know, it's, it's just it's, it's sad. It's just, uh, you know, a travesty. Um, and, you know, it is it, it, it I don't really even know what to say. Yeah. I mean, we're going to, I guess, start off with with the, the major one that kind of surprised everybody and not just Southern or Georgia Southern fans, but also some national media types um, who, who, you know, were paying attention to this. To these awards that came out um yeah it's you know it's funny when i first saw the awards come out and i saw that it was satterfield um my first instinct was to, was to of course figure out who in the world voted on this um, and then when i realized that it was the coaches plus uh 10 reporters a beat writer for each of the teams that that compiled um that made up the voting for this my first instinct was to was to take the blame out on the writers right that that's who i thought made the mistake that's who i thought obviously didn't pay attention to us um but the more that i thought about it the more that i thought that maybe it wasn't the writers that that kind of swung this decision and that it may be more on the other coaches within the conference um that with and my reasoning behind that is 
is that Lunsford is, is is his brand new coach. He's done an amazing job. He obviously has a you know he's obviously great at recruiting. Look at what he did in his first recruiting class, first in first in the Sun Belt. He comes in with kind of all this swagger and and and, and is really the 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 new kid on the block that everybody is is gravitated towards. What more does does the you know does he need besides coach of the year? And then he's going into all these recruits' houses and, and, and saying, hey, you know, I'm the coach of the year. I just did this amazing thing in which I just had a plus seven, maybe a plus eight win differential in one year. I've done this one thing that maybe one other coach has done in all of college football. Um, so the more He's I not think even going to use I that, I don't even think, in recruit. I just don't see him, like, ta- you know, he, he he's he's so modest when it comes to that stuff. I don't even see him touting that he in, may in recruits. Be, he may be, but others around him will certainly use that. As oh, you we see should. it. I mean, you'll see it all over social media. I mean, the, yeah. the kids that are already committed, the kids that are you know on on the fence, um, they see that. If if that seals the deal, then I mean, it can only help your cause. Exactly. So, you know, it's it's more of a long lines. Well, all right. Well, who's the coach that may be more likely to leave the conference after this coaching cycle? And so maybe a lot of them kind of felt that they should put their vote to Satterfield. And sure enough, he's gone. That's really the only reason I can think of as to how he did not win this award, that it was some sort of a jealousy type thing. Or they could just simply be mad at him because every time he beats one of them, he takes a steel chair and slams it on the ground. Or as he does with Georgia State, say they ain't even worth the elbow and just throws it on the ground and just walks away. Right, Cer- certainly not making any friends, but... I mean the but you gotta respect the man, and I mean, and he's 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 a nice man. He's genuine. I mean, all all that stuff obviously is is you know for show for fun to get to get the kids energized to get the fan base energized. It obviously has worked. And if if that's I mean if that's the case, I don't think that's the case. But if that's the case, then I mean, how petty can you be? Well, these guys do have egos. I mean, all these guys want to kind of want to be the guy, um, and, and want to be the 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 next coach. They probably get hired by a P five school. So. I, I don't I I would not put it past that that's maybe where the where where the discrepancy came in and how Satterfield got the award um, because as you said it's really a no brainer who should have won I it. think it was more um, from you know maybe from the coaches I don't know about from the media about him uh, you know already a foot out the door um, you know with with the rumors with Louisville and, and that just makes him look that much better as he's leaving and you know now the Sun Belt can you know kind of put that up on a pedestal and say like look we you know our, we had our coach of the year he had this great transition you know from FCS to FBS uh, you know won uh, three titles and then now he's coaching in, in, in P5 and ACC at Louisville you know as and I know the the conference itself isn't voting on this but I mean you know maybe they had some influence in that I don't know I don't know either and I think um, your bow Travis had a great article saying that there needs to be transparency in the voting with these Sunbelt Awards, and I completely agree with that. Um, it would be nice to see who voted for what and how they voted and to at least have some accountability there. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, and, and you see that, you know, across the board with other conferences. And I mean, it's I, I dove into the uh, um, the handbook of the Sunbelt, you know, earlier this week to, to see if I could get some answers. And, and just like you said, I mean, it just says that it's, it's the coaches and select media and, and that's it. And, uh, you know, there, there was a little bit more details on how like player of the year and, um, the, um, they don't call it rookie of the year, newcomer of the year or something like that is decided there, there was actually more kind of uh, criteria, um, you know, for those categories, but coach of the year was just very vague. And, um, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, it's definitely lacking transparency and just, just really surprising. And yeah, they're, they're never really going to be respected until, um, you know, until they have that transparency where, where, you know, people, put their vote out there and, and so far I haven't really seen that. I haven't seen any media members come forward. Certainly coaches aren't going to do that, but you know, it, it seems to be, and I mean, you know, of course it's easy to write it off as, Oh, we're just being homers. It seems to be a clear bias against us. Um, not just coach Lunsford, but as, as a program. Yeah. And, and you mentioned the media. I think the only media that I saw that did it, I think Mike Anthony had a vote because I saw something either on his Twitter or something on those lines. In which he said, well, I clearly voted for who should have been coach of the year. Which, I mean, I'm not surprised Mike Anthony, or Mike Anthony covers Georgia Southern right. and does a great and job I'm sure the App State beat writer probably chose Satterfield. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, I mean, it's, um, I mean, I think there should be some more transparency. But as far as the bias against our team, yeah, it's definitely there. 
Um, and I don't know if that's just because of a lack of respect or they think we're just a flash in the pan or this is just we just got lucky this one year or what, or maybe they don't like the offense that we were. I don't know. But you could clearly tell that there were several other players um, that probably should have gotten higher accolades than what they did. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get into that now. I mean, uh, you know, we can start with uh, Shy Wirtz, uh, quarterback. Um, you know, obviously with, a, you know, a run-based team, he's not going to jump off the page uh, passing the ball. I, I was looking earlier, he, you know, ranks 12th in the conference behind some um, – some backup quarterbacks, you know, in that category, just under a thousand yards passing, but one of the most efficient passers, um, actually the most efficient passer uh, in the conference and, and one of the most efficient passers in the country, um, you know, uh, led uh, uh, Georgia Southern led the Sunbelt Conference in um, uh, yards per attempt. And uh, obviously running the ball, um, you, you have uh, Shyworks there at number six uh, with uh, 829 yards. He leads the league in touchdowns with 13, um, and he gets an honorable mention. I, I, just, I just don't understand that. Well, I'm kind of glad that we kind of waited a, a little while before we recorded this podcast because Pro Football Focus came out with their awesome yep. belt teams yep. um, that I'm sure we'll get more into. But guess who they had as their second team quarterback? shy words and and the way that pro football focus does is they do do it with a, all analytics and stats they, do it the way and they it have be. yeah they they do it with you know computers algorithms whole bunch of stuff to crack the numbers if to kind of break down who they think statistically is the is the best players in each position they have shy words as a second team quarterback um in the Sun Belt um but to get to your point yeah his stats as far as quarterback goes are not going to fly off the pages Holy moly, you know, he's not going to have 3,000 yards passing. Um, he's not going to have 25 touchdowns to the year. Um, but what you can see in, in his game, or, or, or the, really the biggest progression from last year to this year, is his ability to lead the offense, I think, is probably second to none in anybody in this league. On top of that, his ability to not turn the ball over. He had no interceptions, and I believe maybe only one fumble that went to the other team. So I think he had only one turnover all season. There's not a quarterback in this league that can sit there and say that they only had one turnover. Many of probably them have. not even in the country. No, probably not even in the country. You're right. Um, and, and most of the quarterbacks have 10-plus interceptions or 10-plus or turnovers. And so those two things really kind of stick out in your mind. On top of that, as you just mentioned, he is six in rushing in, in the conference as a quarterback. You know, and Wesley Fields, I believe, is fourth. You know, so he's beating other teams' star running backs in rushing, um, and, and that's what he's designed to do, or that's what the offense is designed to do is for him to have a good portion of his productivity via rushing the ball. So uh, to see an honorable mention, I think, is is is, is kind of a slap in the face, um, especially because of who got the third team in, in regard to Caleb Evans. Now, that's not to, to dishonor or to say that Caleb Evans is a bad quarterback. He's a fine quarterback out of ULM. Um, but as far as the season goes, Shy Works performed better overall in regards to to overall team play. Yeah, absolutely. And well, when you look at uh, total points uh, scored uh, f- from the uh, scoring uh, stats category, uh, Shy is a uh, number six there. And you know that this is a category that usually kickers, uh, you know, dominate because they're uh, getting PATs, they're getting field goals. Um, and, you know, Tyler Bass is there at number three, but only Elijah Mitchell is the only non-kicker ahead of Shy Words in that uh, category. You know, he's got uh, 78 points uh, to his name um, this season. So that just shows, you know, yeah, he's not going to fly off the page with passing categories. Obviously, you know, a lot of passing touchdowns and, and highly efficient when he passes the ball. Um, got those 13 rushing touchdowns. Um, he, he's just, uh, you know, uh, he was solid all around, and, and that's what you kind of have to take into account and like you said, not really just focus and hone in on, uh, you know, the Justice Hansons of the world and, and you know, how close to 3,000 passing yards you, you you get. Yeah, exactly. And and another stat, too, that, that, that most people didn't don't see but I've seen, uh, you know, occasionally on, on Twitter is touchdowns per pass attempts, in which I think Georgia Southern is fifth in the nation for one touchdown every 11 pass attempts um, or 12 pass attempts in the nation. Um which is unreal. Now we don't throw the ball that often, obviously, but when when you're, I think he has ten touchdown passes, and he only has thrown the ball maybe a hundred, a hundred and ten times. That's that's pretty good. 
um, and and that that deserves to be to to be respected, even though he doesn't throw the ball that much. Yeah, he had 109 attempts, um, and um, yeah, and, t- and 10 touchdowns. Um, so I mean, uh, you know, uh, 59.6, almost 60 percent, uh, you know, passing completion percentage uh and and then going through not just not just with him but you know kind of going back to the coach of the year and Lunsford thing um you know this uh we rank number one in so many um you know offensive categories and defensive categories this year you know number one in rushing yards obviously rushing touchdowns passing yards per attempt like we talked about uh the interceptions thrown like we said with zero uh we lead the nation in that Number one in, in passer rating for Shy Wirtz. Uh, we're number one in field goal percentage um, with uh, Tyler Bass. Number one in turnover margin. We've talked about that all season. Lead the nation in that category as well. Um, number one in pick six as number one in fumble recovers, uh, fumble recoveries. Number one in forced fumbles and number one in red zone conversions. Um, so, I mean, you look at that uh, and, and the players that those, uh, you know, stats and categories are attributed to. And then overall with, with Lunsford, I mean, that, that alone just kind of shows how we, we got completely shafted with these awards. Yeah, we did. Unfortunately, we did, which hopefully just kind of fuels that fire for not only this ball game that's coming up, but hopefully for the next season and beyond um, to really kind of prove a point that go ahead, disrespect us, but every time we do it, we're just going to uh, keep on shoving the ball down your throat and we're just going to rack up and, 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 and just beat every opponent we see as badly as we well, can. Well, and that's something I mentioned um, earlier this year, right, is is after uh, the Troy loss, I think it was, is is it, it does seem like when we have that chip on our shoulder, um, we play a lot better. So, I mean, if, if, if anything, if, you know, if, if something good is going to come, out of that it's it's that that you know if, if it just feeds us more it gives us more ammunition where you know when we you know after we beat App State and you know maybe we're gaining a little bit of confidence and we're losing that chip and all of a sudden you know we get beat by ULM lose to Troy you know when when people are doubting us that's when we're at our best uh, you know you saw that with app state you saw that with arkansas state with we'll get into the bowl opponent in eastern michigan on paper it looks like we're a much better team but uh you know this kind of stuff uh it's is only really going to help what truly matters and that's winning football games and you know if, if if that's the case i mean i hate it for the players i hate it for coach lunsford because they um you know deserve their due um, you know, they, they, they deserve these awards, uh, frankly, but they are just awards. And, you know, while I know the players, you know, really uh, want it, no matter what they say, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Coach Lunsford honestly does, um, you know, at least at this point. You know, I think the most important thing is, is getting those wins. And I think uh, this will only add fuel to the fire. Yeah, it definitely, definitely is. Um, but, you know, the offensive side of the ball was not the only um, – side of the ball that got shafted on these awards if we want to switch over to defense yeah. uh i think the biggest one that got shafted on all of that is monquavian yeah. brinson absolutely now I, I get it maybe he doesn't have the best or, or, or the most interceptions um in the league but matt i mean you and i've watched every game it, quarterbacks not throw his way no nope. at all and then you can say well what about his tackling well if you actually look on the plays that he was making tackles on a lot of it were run plays. A lot of it was he was shedding off a block, hitting the, the running back on the edge, or he was crashing the middle of the field and hitting the defender only two or three yards past the line of scrimmage and stopping a run play. His play, I mean, he should have easily been first team, without question, him and him and Vildor both. And and, and that's something um, that, that Travis, uh, the Sphere Morning News, pointed out in his column that, uh, you know, uh, uh, Clinton Duck getting the nod over him uh, when, when his stats are just so much better. It's 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 insane. And with uh, you look at, uh, like we mentioned, the pro football focus uh, coming out this week, um, they have him first team flex defense. And it's for a reason. Yeah. And they note here that he has a tackling grade of 89.3% and a run defense grade of 90.4%. And you know that that should that should tell you something right there. I mean again this this list with Pro Football Focus it's it's based on stats and analytics. And as they say, stats don't lie. So I mean clearly there is I mean I tweeted it out, you know, that uh, clearly there's bias here when you know you're 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 crunching the numbers and 
all our guys are shooting to the top. And then, you know, you, you look at, uh, you know, the, the Sunbelt awards and we're honorable mentions and second team and third team. Yeah. And, and another one that yeah kind of shouted almost as bad as Brinson is, is Raymond Johnson, the third. I mean, he's a, he's a first team on this pro football focus yep. as well. And he's had a tremendous year. So I just, it's, it's, it's just kind of mind boggling. Um, th- it's almost as if they kind of, they did their research. They they read the Phil Steele book at the beginning of the season. They did all their preseason awards, and then it's like all the writers just were like, "All right, I'm done." And then they went and watched SEC and ACC football for the remainder of the of the season, and then they were asked again, "Hey, you need to come pick these awards." And they went right back to their to their preseason awards and just kind of filled them all out again the same way and sent it back in. I mean, it's it's kind of mind boggling how kind of shafted our team was in these in these postseason awards. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And uh, and the other guy I think is worth mentioning is uh, Wesley Kennedy the third. I mean, this is a kid that you know uh, changed positions halfway through the year. You know, started at at slot receiver, uh, played a lot of running back um, at the tail end of the year. Obviously, was a big uh, special teams contributor as well. Um, you know, he uh, he comes in. Uh, their uh, second team as a running back on the pro football focused and he's just an honorable mention um, with with the Sun Belt. Yeah and I mean he's had he, he's been probably the most dynamic player in the conference. I mean you ask any coach that's playing us who is it they're most concerned about you know aside from Shy and, 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 and Wesley Fields and they'll tell you it's Wesley Kennedy. He's he, they feel like he was the most dangerous player on the field you know at, at any one point so yeah, I mean, he, an honorable mention is is not is not what he deserved because he played a hell of a lot better than well, that. Well, that almost comes goes back to your uh, Brinson argument, right? Is like just on on the other side of the ball where you've got a guy like yeah, he didn't get as many touches as as we would have liked, or a lot of people in Eagle Nation probably would have liked, um, but when he did you saw how talented he was. You saw that he was one of the best players, not just on our team but on the field. So. You, you would hope that these coaches who are coaching against them and, you know, these uh, these beat writers who are out there in the press box watching would would see that. And, and as much as we talked about stats and all this, um, and obviously that, you know, carries a lot of weight or should carry a lot of weight, but you also have to look at just the individual performances. When these guys get their hands on the ball, what they do with it, um, whether it be a defender, uh, you know, a running back, wide receiver, quarterback like Shy. Um, and, and just see how dynamic they are with a football. You see that with Shai, you see that with Wesley Kennedy, and you know I, I think that that should carry some weight as well. Yeah, it should, it should. And now to kind of, I guess, break away from the first, second, and third teams and all the mentions, I want to talk about Defensive Player of the Year in the Sun Belt, and that should have really been a toss-up between Vildor and Brinson, yep. hands down. It should have been a toss-up between those two as to who the Defensive Player of the Year is. Um. And, you know, not to kind of beat a beat a dead horse here, but you go back to pro football focus and, and there there's some belt teams and, and everything and you look at Vildor and what is he? He's not just first belt sun belt or first team sun belt, he's also an all American. Yep. So so it's not just our confidence, it's across the entire country with them that he is one of the top cornerbacks in in, in all the land. So you know, it should have either been him or Brinson who should have gotten defensive player of the year. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and I mean, you look at you look at the uh, player of the year awards and, you know, uh, Arkansas State almost, uh, you know, swept everything. Uh, other, You know, especially the, the player awards. Um, uh, they, they, you know, they got newcomer of the year, uh, freshman of the year, defensive player of the year. Um, Zach Thomas at App State got offensive player of the year. Um, but then Hanson gets uh, Sunbelt Player of the Year. Yeah, tell me how that works yeah, out. Uh, well, right, and that, and that's the thing, right? Is is you've got you've got a team that didn't even win their division, um, and you know finished with a worse record than us, and they're sweeping all these Player of the Year awards. And like you said, it's almost like uh, you know the 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 guys that are the the, the people that are picking this are looking at. Though that feel still book and and the uh, and the preseason picks and just kind of cross referencing that with the stats and being like yeah good enough and then signing off and and there we go <laughs> you know because I mean yep. that's the thing is I watched Justice Hansen play you know quite a bit this year not just obviously against us 
I wasn't that impressed with the kid. I really wasn't. I mean, I, I know I know all the hype, and I, I thought he was going to be a lot, have a lot better of a year than he did. I just really wasn't that impressed with him. Um, you know, Zach Thomas did a good job. You know, obviously when he was healthy, uh, you know, he he rebounded, uh, you know, pretty well after that injury with us. Um, you know, taking nothing away from him, and and he's certainly going to be you know a force to reckon with in the future. Um, you know, but 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 some of these uh, some of these player of the year picks are kind of uh, head scratchers. Yeah, and and Hanson came on strong at the end of the year. Um, obviously, if you look back, kind of what he did the first half of the season, it wasn't really that great. But kind of after, I guess after that App State game, you can say I guess they kind of picked up their play and they kind of started playing a little bit better. But just because he was hot for half the year doesn't mean he should have player of the year. Right. Which is what um, they always you know, do. I mean, that's that's uh, that's their mo, right? Is is Arkansas State? They they start slow and they they usually finish strong. It usually ends up, uh, you know, before we had divisions, you know, putting them right there in in the race for the uh, conference title. But um, they they kind of took a little too long this year to to get things going. Yeah, uh, and you know, I guess to me, player of the year. Yeah, is it is it the best player that probably did the the, the most. I guess the the best out of anybody else in, in all the conference, sure. But I think they has to also kind of include who also means the most to their team, right? You know, who's who's kind of the most valuable to their team. And I think Shy would have a very good argument in that aspect, um, as far as he is probably the most valuable to our team than any other player well, in the conference. You look at team. it just like you do, or as you should, coach of the year. Right, where yeah. where you know, and, and we didn't get into this. So so Trent Miles, um, the former Georgia State coach, wins Coach of the Year a few years ago when they were six and six, right? So you 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 can't tell me. I mean, when when we were kind of talking about this back and forth over text, you know, the the only reason I could I could think for Satterfield to get it is like, okay, these were your expectations. You met your expectations, but is that really what coach of the year is about or is it just the best overall coaching job? And that I it, think it has yeah, to be you, the, you would think. Yeah. And, and that clearly is, is uh, Chad Lunsford. I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, let's just, let's just start with, with right after the season ended last year in his recruiting class is better than anybody else in our conference. And that kind of sets the stage. And then, he he picks this these this great team of coaches to surround himself with, starting with his coordinators on down, that seem to just gel and get along and 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 and, and really understand that we're all on the same page here, and then you see as this builds, and we just kind of take, you know, our, our conference and in our in our out of conference schedule by storm, and we do a really really good job of it. And I mean, not only did we ex you know meet our expectations. But we surpassed we our, expectations. our expectations. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, we, by we um, by yeah. miles. And 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 that's the thing is, and and what did Satterfield did? He he met. I, I'm taking nothing away from the man. He did a good job. There's a reason he's going to be the new head coach at Louisville, right? But mm-hmm. he did exactly what everyone expected. They had a really good team, a team that he has built over the last you know several years. With you know strong recruiting classes, but that's that's what they did. I mean they they they, they didn't go over and beyond. I mean obviously they they lose to us, uh, you know by a large margin. But I just I just don't see it. I mean if you're gonna give that award a couple of years ago to Trent Miles and the six and six Georgia State team, you know where where is that consistency in your in your you know criteria for for judging this award it's not and, and again it just goes that it's a, a year by year thing based on whoever's voting you know as i said that's that to me that's why i think it, it's more the coaches in the conference that forced the 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 award to be to scott satterfield than than the media i actually think the media probably i think I'm, I, I would hope that the majority of them really kind of looked at it and said, yeah, without question, it's it's Lunsford. And you saw a lot of the national media who commented when they saw it said, this is, this is you know, Scott Satterfield, yeah, like you said, did a great job, but Lunsford easily should have won Coach of the Year for this conference. It was without question. So who benefits the most by having Satterfield be Coach of the Year and not Lunsford? Yeah, of course, the conference. Well, all the other— well, well, not only the conference, but also all the other coaches yep. because they know they know Satterfield's yep. out. 
Um, it, it was kind of the reason, you know, Troy, you know, Neil, not taking anything from Neil Brown, but Neil Brown won this award last year, and Troy did a really good job. Troy was a fantastic team, and, and he, Neil Brown deservedly so deserved the award. But a lot of people thought Neil Brown was out of Troy, you know, last year. They thought he was going to get picked up, and some people think he's going to get picked up this yeah. year from a, from a Power 5 school. But surprisingly, I've not heard really any rumors about him, not even strong no. rumors, which I find kind of surprising. But... You know, it was kind of one of the same things. Uh, he's the best, you know, with the best team, with the best record. So here he is. I think, th- I think that the the people who who benefit the most by having it to be Satterfield instead of Lunsford is the coaches in the conference. If and only, you know, if if the only reason is so that he doesn't get another notch above any of the other coaches, and, and another thing that when it comes to recruiting, people can't say, hey, man, this guy's coach of the year in his first year. This guy's a rising star. You want to go play for this guy at Southern. You know, and that's what people will is going to think about, you know. All right, Cody, so now let's talk about that bowl game. Uh, like I mentioned, uh, Camellia Bowl, uh, December 15th. Games at uh, 5.30 Eastern, uh, 4.30 Central um, on ESPN. And we know our opponent now, and it is Eastern Michigan. Um, that is not the team that a lot of people expected. And just uh, kind of goes to show you that rumors sometimes can be just that. And, you know, we heard the rumors about, you know, we're facing the, the loser of the MAC championship game. So either Northern Illinois or Buffalo. Um, I watched that game uh, pretty much from start to finish uh, because I, I was kind of buying the hype there. And I, I kind of wanted to get an early scouting report on who we might face. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of talked about it in our last episode. We both kind of felt more comfortable facing Buffalo, even though they had a, a better record. Um, Northern Illinois had that that stout, uh, you know, run defense, you know, one of the best in the nation. Um, that was an excellent game. Uh, you know, Northern Illinois comes back from a huge deficit uh, in the second half to, to win by one. Um, you know, they win the MAC. You've got, uh, you know, we, we're thinking Buffalo now. Um, and that's not the case. They're, they're headed to Mobile to play Troy. Uh, Northern Illinois isn't even uh, headed to a uh, Sunbelt affiliate bowl. Um, and then, you know, you've got, uh, here, here comes Eastern Michigan kind of out of nowhere. You've got the, um, all the media, uh, with, uh, sports illustrated and even ESPN, which runs most of these bowls <laughs> and, um, and all these other blogs and such, uh, you know, projecting either Buffalo or, or Northern Illinois or university of Ohio, um, that uh, as potential, um, opponents, no one, no one was pre- uh, predicting Eastern Michigan. So let's let's just kind of start there. Yeah, no, nobody was. And if you had looked at the history over the last couple of years um, with this bowl and, and the way that the MAC kind of have um, distributed their 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 bowl games out, you saw where typically um, the MAC champion would go to the Dollar General Bowl uh, or the one in Mobile. Um, we saw that with Bowling Green, um, and then. Uh, if you look at uh, the year that Western Michigan went undefeated and got the Access Bowl, actually Ohio went down there for that one. Um, to, I think it was to play the App State that year. Uh, and typically, whoever came in second um, would go to the Camellia Bowl, um, and that kind of had been the case. Um, apparently, the MAC decided to kind of switch it up a little bit, which kind of threw everybody for a loop, uh, which is why I think everybody kind of was so wrong on this. They sent their champion um, to go play UAB in a bowl game. So it'll be the MAC champion versus Conference USA champion. Um, and then they have their 10-win team going up against Troy, um, who will be going up for their 10th win as well uh, in the Dollar General Bowl. And that should probably be a really, really good game. Um, and then as far as how we got to Eastern Michigan, I don't know. Um, as you know, At, at that point... Um, I know that Eastern Michigan was kind of on the bubble as far as to get a bowl game. Um, but, you know, regardless, uh, this this is a quality opponent. And even if you look at the spread right now, the spread is at this point, at this moment, it is Georgia Southern minus one. Um, it had, this has been fluctuating kind of ever since they've announced the bowl game as far as if it's an even plus one, minus one um, for this game. But... All in all, it has the looks that this should be a really good game in a couple of weeks. 
So, I mean, it, it's, it's definitely not a team to take lightly. And, and, and like we said, I mean, we, we were two and 10 last year. We, we've got to be thankful that we're in a bowl. It doesn't matter who we're playing. Um, and you know, we, we just want us to have a, a good showing, but this, this is an Eastern Michigan team that has a lot to play for. You know, they, they are, they're kind of like us in a lot of ways and they're kind of not like us in a lot of ways. Right. So they're, uh, from kind of a, a small town that's right outside of Ann Arbor, Michigan, only six, uh, six miles from Ann Arbor, where of course University of Michigan is. Um, so right in the shadow of that, if you could imagine like Georgia Southern being in the shadow of Athens, that's what this school is. So they've always kind of struggled as a program, but they also kind of have that, that blue collar mentality that, 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 that we have that, uh, we're used to and certainly has been kind of um, revitalized this year under uh, Coach Chad Lunsford. So, you know, they they want to be here. You know, they, they released that video uh, channeling, uh, you know, Beyonce and Destiny's Child of, of wanting to get in a bowl game. And you can call it, you know, goofy or cute or, or, or pathetic or whatever you want to call it. But the, the fact of the matter is, is that these guys, unlike – it seems a lot of the Mac teams, <laughs> they, they actually want to be, um, in this bowl. You know, you, you hear from like Bowling Green when we played them in 2015, who is Georgia Southern? I don't want to play this team. This is beneath us. I've, I've seen stuff from fans of, uh, Buffalo talking about Troy and why are we going to Mobile playing in this dollar general bowl or better than this? It seems like this team really wants to be here. And that is something not to take lightly because they're going to give it their all. Um, they beat Purdue earlier this year. Um, you know, that's a Purdue team, obviously that, that beat that, that killed Ohio state. Um, yes, they, uh, you know, uh, just finished with, uh, you know, 500 record, but, um, you know, this, 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 this is a pretty good Eastern Michigan team. It's going to be a test for us. Yeah. And, and not to get too much into uh, our next episode when we really kind of go in depth, um, in this bowl game about the matchup with Eastern Michigan, but they're going to be a tough opponent. And, and to think otherwise is, is foolish. Um, if we come out there and think that, that we'll just win just because we have a better record and, you know, everything says that we have better athletes and that we're faster and stronger than this team, um, we'll lose. Um, we get, We can't come out there complacent. We can't come out there thinking that, um, we've already won it before we step on the field, because, uh, like you said, this team is a very blue collar team. They're they're led that way by their head coach, and they are a very um, tough tough team. Um, if you look at pretty much all their games that they play, pretty much for the really the last two seasons, they've pretty much all been one score, you know, games regardless of who their opponent is. So it's gonna be a hard fought game um, coming up on on the fifteenth. So, so Cody, uh, talking about the bowl itself, uh, you know, this was something that was, you know, one of the worst uh, kept secrets, you know, of the, of the bowl season. We, you know, the the news leaked, uh, you know, the Tuesday before Selection Sunday. You know, obviously, uh, you know, the the news of uh, the Cure Bowl taking the loser of the Sun Belt Championship game came into play. The Arizona Bowl announcing that Arkansas State was going to be in the game kind of helped uh, clear the picture up. Um, it came between those two Alabama Bowls with Dollar General and Mobile and Montgomery. Uh, we knew pretty much uh, since our last episode having to re-record that one segment that we were headed to Montgomery, but but now that's official, you know what what does this bowl just kind of mean for this team? And uh, you know, I, I know there's probably there might be some fans out there that that wanted another destination, but uh, you know what what what's kind of your message to them that like you know be be excited about this bowl and this matchup? Yeah, I mean it's validation, right? It, it, it's that you were honored for the fantastic season that you've had. And there's there's no other way that you want to go out except for with a victory. You know, it, you look at that 2015 class that was coached by Del McGee in that bowl game. Man, did they put on a show that night. And it was a fantastic way for for that class to go out and, and, and f- a great way really for that that era of, of Southern football to kind of go out in that way. I mean, we just completely annihilated that Bowling Green team. But yeah, I mean, this to me, this is validation, right? This is, this is, this is a team that, Went five and seven in twenty sixteen, two and ten 
last year, and and nobody really gave two thoughts that they would really do a whole lot um, this season. We were picked fourth to come in our division behind Georgia State. Let me repeat that. We were picked to come in fourth behind Georgia State in our own division this season at Media Day uh, for the Sun Belt. So this is just, it's just, you know, here you are. Let's let's finish, finish the drill, finish, you know, finish what we started, and and end this season on on a high note, and and a good way to go into all season workouts and then spring workouts and then summer workouts and into the next season. So Cody, for the the last segment today, I want to talk about the uh, the coaching carousel. Uh, we're looking at in college football, specifically the state of North Carolina. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's in the water up there. Um, but obviously you have uh, Scott Satterfield leaving uh, App State. That's the the biggest news, you know, relevant to us, uh, leaving for, for um, Louisville. But, you know, it, uh, it was four uh, four total schools <laughs> that, that had coaching changes in, in the last week, week and a half. Um, in the state of North Carolina with uh, with App State, with Satterfield. Um, you had uh, UNC Chapel Hill kind of starting the domino effect, uh, letting go of uh, Larry Fedora, bringing back Mac Brown, who, uh, you know, kind of got his, his big start there and made his mark before, you know, going to, to Texas and, and winning a national title there. Um, University of Charlotte, you know, some kind of controversy there. They were looking at uh, Mike Houston, um, which which we know all too well from from James Madison, and then uh, earlier than that at, at the Citadel. Um, you know, it looked like he was going to be Charlotte's new coach, and then uh, you know a few days later. East Carolina fires their coach a little earlier than expected and, and, and then brings on Mike Houston um, and then Charlotte, uh, I don't want to say has to settle. Uh, they, they ended up um, uh, hiring Will Healy from Austin PA, a very good coach, uh, runs that that RPO offense um, and, and a young coach at, at 33. Um, so just kind of talk about this coaching carousel, Cody, specifically, obviously, App State and Satterfield, what that means to us. Um, you know, obviously this this is a guy that a lot of people, at least their fans, hoped would kind of be a lifer there, um, you know, or at least be there longer than, than he was. Um, you know, he came there in 2013, helped them with the, uh, with the transition, took over for Jerry Moore, you know, huge shoes to fill. The guy's a winner. I mean, you know, obviously we don't have to like him. Uh, you know, he coached for the enemy, but but the guy's a really good coach. That's why he's at Louisville now. Um, but what does that mean? What do you think that means for Georgia Southern moving forward? Well, it's, um, I mean, I, I can't really, I, I don't really know. Um, you're, he's been there forever. He was a player, a coach. I think he had like a couple of seasons where he was away and then he came back um, as an assistant and then, you know, worked his way up to head coach. This is going to be something kind of different for App State. You know, Jerry Moore was there for, I think, nearly 30 years, and then Scott Satterfield took over, and it's been there the last six. Um, so this is going to be, you know, something, uh, you know, that they're not used to. Um, not like, unfortunately, how we are, um, where it seems like the coaches kind of kind of come and go. Um, but from everything that I've heard and seen and read about, um whoever their new coach is going to be is definitely going to be an App State person, somebody that's been there um, either as a player or coach or both. So I, I don't really see much in a change of the philosophy of, of how they how they run their football program. Um, it will be interesting to see how many coaches or Satterfield takes with his staff to Louisville. Does he take his whole staff? Does he only take certain coaches? Do certain coaches stay behind or any one of his – you know, coaches on his staff now tapped to be the head coach for next season. And if so, how does that affect, you know, if Satterfield is able to, to bring some staff along to Louisville or not? So that to me is going to be a much bigger storyline going forward over the next few weeks. Um, and on top of that, you have recruiting going on right now. And how many of these players are going to decommit, switch, you know, flip and and and. and go to other schools possibly come come to Statesboro because of this so to me right now it's a wait and see thing to kind of what really happens with the drama and and Boone um but 
All I can hope for is that they hire Tyson Summers as their head coach <laughs> yeah. and Brian Van Gorder right, as their defensive right. coordinator. And, and, and that's what everyone in Eagle Nation is hoping for, Cody. But, um, you know, re- realistically with, uh, you know, you're right. I mean, it's something that they haven't had to deal with a lot. They've had so much consistency there, um, you know, with Jerry Moore being there for so many years, winning all those national championships. And then you get Satterfield you know he's he, you know he's uh, grew up in the program and you you know you think oh well maybe they'll you know struggle a little bit and they, he picked up right where he left off so it's it's almost refreshing to kind of see you know them have to take on even if it is you know another Satterfield in the sense of of, of someone that's that's been entrenched in the program sooner or later they're going to get a dud i mean they just are you would you would think but i'm not going to hold my breath i'm not i'm not going to believe that till i see it also i mean they're loaded with talent as well so it, it's going to be very hard for them to even find it. it even if their head coach is a dud it's going to be very hard to see True. it for the next True. couple yep. years at least you know unless they hire somebody like tyson summers who just doesn't know how to coach at all know, yeah, yeah 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 doesn't know how to organize practice well you saw you to, saw that ucf you know, right and i'm not take, taking anything obviously away from from josh heupel but you know, I, I've made the argument. You know, living here in Orlando with with you know my coworkers who are UCF alums, and they're oh yeah, he he's great. And I'm like, let's give it a couple years and 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 see. You know, when the recruiting classes come in, and let's see how these these teams pan out. I mean, obviously, to to go undefeated is a huge accomplishment. I don't care how much talent you have, but you know, it's 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 it is the long game. You have to kind of see after a couple years and then again going back to Satterfield you had that with with Jerry Moore I mean um you, you've seen that at Georgia Southern of of, of guys with like Stowers <laughs> that takes over and wins a national title right yeah. so like you can take over a really talented team and kind of pick up where where the previous great coach left off but then after year two three four that's when like you start making your mark and showing how good of a coach you can be. Um, Satterfield did that, but it will be interesting to see what happens with App State with that. And also, it is worth mentioning how it could affect us with coaches. Obviously, we have we have coaches that coached at we, – we have a strength and conditioning coach uh, that came from App State. We obviously have Scott Sloan, our defensive coordinator, that came from App State. Lunsford used to be at App State, not saying that he's going to take him to Louisville. But, you know, that – we we've got we've got connections there. I mean, Lunsford used to live in Satterfield's basement. You know, like it's it, there's there's a lot of connections to that school coaching wise. So that that is worth mentioning. That you know how how could this pan out? I mean, maybe like you said, if if they hire from within, maybe take one of their de- uh, you know defensive uh, assistants or coordinators as their head coach. Maybe he comes looking for Sloan, or comes looking for the. Um, um, Strength and conditioning coach. Maybe. I saw an article, I think it was, I forget, I don't know the exact name of their newspaper up there. I think it's like Winston Journal or something like that. Um, anyways, it's, the, it's pretty much the App State beat writer. And he had a list of, of I think it was about 10 to 12 individuals uh, lined up, or that he thought would, would, would be in contention for the head coaching job. And one of those names was Scott Sloan. Now, I don't know exactly how serious that is i don't know if 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 people you know if the ad or or if that program wants him to to be their head coach or how how serious that is um i seem to get from reading the article that there seemed to be about five or six at least five or six other guys that were much more ahead of him than than uh, and and much more likely to get the job um but you're right i mean it it, it could affect us you know sloan may have a good shot of getting the head coaching job when they may come ask him for it. Um, and I don't think anybody would blame him if he took it, if it was offered to him, you know, that's, that's a step up and it's a chance for him to run his own program. Now we would hate it obviously um, because of how much we think of Sloan and how well he's done for us, even in the one year that he's been here, um, him and his staff. But um, yeah, you're right. It, it could be a, a kind of a, you know, uneasy feeling for at least a couple of weeks to kind of get a feel as far as what is App State going to do as far as, you but know, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Nate Woody is probably in, in play there too, right? As a, uh, you know, defensive coordinator at, at Georgia Tech, obviously with Paul Johnson retiring, he might be looking for a job. You know, they're, they're, they're talking about completely switching, you know, maybe they retain him, maybe they don't. Um, so he might be out there and take over. That could also affect 
um, Scott Sloan of, of what happens. It, it could be also too. I would not be surprised if Nate Woody goes to Louisville with Satterfield. You know, to me, to me, that seems more the of the of the the way that that would go. Um, because you're right, Johnson's out at Tech. He's retiring. Um, it seems from everything that I've read that Tech is going to go to a more either pro style or spread offense style. They're actually, you know, they're going to get away probably from the triple or the flex bone. So we'll see how that works out for them. Um, we have some history as far as knowing how yeah. that works out. Find out for them, themselves. You know, yeah. let them figure that out. Yep. Um, so I think Nate Woody goes to Louisville, if anything, to be their defensive coordinator for Satterfield. Um, and then I think he tries to bring most of his, uh, defensive staff, at least with him to, uh, Louisville. And, uh, you know, I, Satterfield is very good as far as the offense goes, right? Cause he was, he was calling plays when they were doing, you know, I think their national championship run and stuff like that. Uh, when he was the quarterback coach. Um, so I think he probably will feel comfortable, you know, if he has to hire a new offensive staff or, or some offensive staff up there at Louisville. But I would not be surprised if he tries to retain or keep pretty much all of his coaching staff on the defensive side of the ball and bring them with him to right. uh, Louisville. Yeah, I mean, it will, it will definitely be uh, be interesting to see how, uh, how that all uh, pans out really quick, uh, uh, you know, before we end this. I think it's worth mentioning that um, Tulane, you know, let go of Doug Roos. Um, obviously, Willie Fritz there, uh, you know, and, and Doug Roos, our former offensive coordinator when Fritz was here. Um, you know, it seems like maybe they uh, might be switching Cody, uh, you know, away from from the triple option as much. So that's, that's kind of interesting. It is. And I saw, and it was a quick tweet. I don't know how much truth there is behind it, but I saw where they may be trying to target, um, uh, I think the Memphis no, offensive coordinator. Him. Yeah, it's official. They tweeted it. Yeah. Oh, they did hire him? Okay. All right. So that, that you know, uh, I think that kind of breathes a sigh of relief from us because I think there was a little bit, I think, in all of us that thought, well, is the best going to go back and reunite with Fritz? Um, so that's good. That, that But the that, thing there that, that um, I kept going back to is, you know, what really happened there. And what I got to keep thinking of is that Fritz, at the end of the day, is a defensive guy. He kind of inherited this offense. I mean, he came to Sam Houston. They didn't have a lot of work with. He had the best. The best said, let's try this. There you go. You get Roos to come in. He runs the same offense. The best leaves for New Mexico. Fritz comes to Georgia Southern. We know the rest. So he's not really tied to the option recently Fritz has been synonymous with it because that's what his offensive coordinators ran, but that's, that's not necessarily who he is as a coach. So when I saw those kind of rumors and, and those concerns of, of the best going, I, I wasn't really that concerned because it's almost kind of like uh, Paul Johnson at tech, right. Of everyone saying, Oh, well, Munkin's going to go there. Well, is it because I mean, you know, most people think that, you know, it was part retirement that, that Johnson was just done, and it was part him being kind of forced out the door and, and Tech kind of being over the triple option and wanting to move on from that. So why would you literally hire his mini-me and, and not take it away from Jeff Monk? And, I mean, done an excellent job at Army. Obviously, he did a great job with us. But, I mean, you're you're, you're getting another Johnson when when you when you hire Monk. Well, I think you get a better you, you Johnson. Are, yeah, you as far as I mean, coach it's, it's, and a player's not, coach and motivation and probably even defense. Yeah. It, and it's no secret, too, that Paul Johnson is not – he does not like to recruit. It's not his favorite thing to do as, as a head football coach. Um, Which is not a good recipe. But, but bunk at, it. At, uh, tech words already. Hard no, no, it's it, exactly. Um, now, did I think Monkey was going to go to Tech even if Tech wanted to keep the flex bone? Uh, no, because Army actually came out and said we're not letting Monkey go anywhere. I think I think Army was ready to kind of force you know pay pay them. I think they would, and, and they they have the capability too. They do. And, and, you know, oh, yeah. and he's happy there and I mean, and, and good for him. I mean, he, he said that like, it was almost the only job he loved Georgia Southern and it was almost the only job that would have brought him away from Georgia Southern. Right. And, and it's just a great fit and you almost don't want to see him leave army. Um, you know, there, there's some other guys like, like Navy's coach that, that 
might fit the bill. But again, I just I don't I I think it's pretty clear that Tech wants to move away from that. So that's that's kind of what I saw with the whole ruse thing, and and why I didn't really see it being concern of 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 getting, um, of of them of, of Fritz coming uh, coming after DeBess. Um, but now Sloan, I think I think there is more concern there. I think it will be really interesting to see how the dominoes fall. Um, of you know even if he's frankly not Satterfield's first choice, maybe things fall through. Just like it did at Louisville, where, where you know he, you know Braum was the first choice, and uh, and then he comes calling for Sloan, and it's an offer that's too good to give up. Maybe, maybe, um, but I, I just, I would, I honestly would see it going Nate Woody first, and then their current defensive coordinator second, and then if for some reason if neither one of those two guys take the job, then yes, I think Sloan would then be. Probably his next yeah. phone call after that. Um, but I I think one of those two guys will will go. Um, and to be honest with you, if Nate Woody takes it, then their defense coordinator I think will still go and probably go more as a um go back to being a a what I think what is it? He was a quarterbacks coach. Um, yeah, I believe so. Before he became yeah. the coordinator. Yeah, so he, I think he'll probably go as a defensive backs coach to Louisville and go up there with him. Um. But you know, it, it's um, it, it's kind of one of those things in which you know I see a lot of our, our fan base saying, "Yay, you know, we don't we don't have to really worry about this." But at the same time, I think we, we do because there's have so to do many. In we're so intertwined. We're so intertwined. Yeah. And the thing is, yeah. like, as much as like we don't want to admit it, at the end of the day, a lot of it comes down to money. It really does. I mean, Satterfield yeah. is, frankly more entrenched and more loyal <laughs> to App State, I mean, you could argue, than, than Lunsford is. I mean, L- Lunsford didn't play for us. You know, he's been with us for a really long time, not taking anything away from that. But, I mean, you know, you're you're talking about a guy in Satterfield who, you know, he he, he played there. He, he you know played against Georgia Southern in the 90s and pretty much his entire, you know, a few stops here and there, but pretty much his entire coaching career has been with App State. And he left for Louisville, and he got $1.625 million a year for doing it. And obviously the coordinators there make a lot more than, you know, in some cases more than head coaches in the Sun Belt. Um, so that's that's something to consider. And, you know, with, with a guy like Sloan, who has been here in the past, and and then obviously coach at App State, you know, money talks. It does. Um and there's no denying that. Um, which is all the more reason why we have to to donate, donate and donate um some more to the uh to the coaches fund that's out there, um, in order to try to retain these coordinators and assistant coaches the best that we can. Um because it, it is it I mean, this is a cutthroat business and Schools that feel like they have deeper pockets will will not hesitate to to write as, as big of a check as they think they need to, in order to to get a coach that they want. So we gotta you know we're we're in you know big boy college football now. We have to start you know donating and really kind of you know planning you know, ahead. The yeah, purse. pad the purse, plan ahead, and and that's the thing yeah. is it's 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 about the assistance. I think is one uh, one of the things that's kind of lost on a lot of people, you know, like you see these things of like coaching retention funds and immediately a lot of people think like, oh, well, that's for the head coach. Well, there's a reason Lunsford donated so much money to it. There was a reason Scott Frost, um, you know, I remember when they started one at UCF and of course, yes, he, he, he left and again, for a lot of the same reasons um, that like Satterfield was at App State, he, he played for um nebraska you know had had deep ties there that was kind of like that that dream job that could pull him away but his main thing for like starting that fund and 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 putting all the money into it was to um to retain his assistance to retain his coordinators retain his assistants so that's what it's all about it's not lunsford necessarily wanting more money um, you know, he, he wants to keep his assistants happy and keep him, uh, you know, keep them there because he realizes that they are an integral part of, uh, of our team's success. Yeah. And, and he knows that 
that he's only as good as the people he surrounds himself with. And you saw that with Summers. Uh-oh. And I mean, I'm not and like, yep. I mean, you know, he obviously was, he bit off more than he could chew. He obviously was very uncomfortable being a head coach and making some of those decisions. But that's the thing is like, you see that a little bit with, with Lunsford here and there. But the thing is, is he gets bailed out with really experienced coaches with with DeBess and with Sloan and, and guys have been in these situations. So when he gets uncomfortable or when he when he get he can he can rely on them. He can, you know, lean on them. And uh, you know, that was one of the biggest downfalls of Summers is that he wasn't able to build that staff that he could kind of uh that he could lean on. Yeah. And and you know, one of the things that you're kind of concerned with, especially with a first year head coach, is how are they able to handle you know the 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 crunch time decision the 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 how to handle a, a two minute drill how to handle you know time management in a, in a football game with Lunsford I don't know of a time in which he he messed any of that up and I think that's a testament to him but it's also a testament to his assistant coaches and, and coordinators around him that they all kind of understood well, the Arkansas you know, State game what right, was going perfect on. example yeah, Arkansas yeah. State game you get in yep. that situation where are we doing the best goes we're doing the reverse. And what did Lunsford say? Okay, sounds good to me. And he trusted yep. him, which he should, and the rest is history. And that's the thing is, is, is Summers didn't have that. I'm not trying to make excuses for the man. But, you know, it, that's, it, that is worth pointing out is that, you know, we, we have a great staff. Everyone should realize that. Obviously, Lunsford realizes that. And that's, that's the point of, of these funds is to to keep those assistants happy, keep this whole staff together, not just Lunsford at the head of it. Exactly, and you know, it, I, I don't, I don't I haven't heard anything else since since Big Frank tweeted it out the other day. But it does appear that there are in the works for contract, rene- you know, renegotiations or redoing the contracts on some of the coaches, um, on the coaching staff. So. Hopefully, after the bowl game or, or shortly after the season's over, with we'll get more details um, going forward. But I think that's definitely uh, deserved for everybody involved in that and everybody that's on our coaching staff. They should definitely get pay raises for the job that they've done. A hundred percent. And I even uh, retweeted Cody. Uh, I'm sure you saw that. Uh, you know, someone said that. You know, our administration and TK should should award uh, Lunsford and almost pay him his bonus for coach of the year. And and honestly, he yeah, should, should because like 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 I tweeted out, that would be a huge vote of confidence um, to to this coaching staff from our administration, and also frankly a middle finger to to the conference. Um, you know, a, a deserved middle finger to the conference and. Um, you know, we're, we're not, we don't really care what you say or what you think. Um, this is our coach of the year. I mean, this was an incredible, incredible job he's done and the staff has done and it, it deserves to be rewarded. And, and like we said, money talks. And, and, and frankly, at the end of the day, uh, no one might remember, you know, who was the coach of the year in, uh, 2018, but you're going to remember, you know, a, 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 you know, a, a healthy bonus. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you definitely will. Like I said, hopefully we can keep this staff for a very, very long time, but it's going to be very, very difficult to do so. So uh, next week, we are going to dive deeper into that bowl matchup. Um, we will uh, kind of look at the numbers. We'll, we'll you know really look at who Eastern Michigan is, what they bring to the table, um, you know, and, and, and keys, keys to win in that game and getting our 10th win, you know, hopefully we, uh, we're working on maybe bringing in, you know, some, uh, some help, some, uh, you know, a special guest maybe, uh, to kind of chime in on, on, uh, some, some insight. Um, so, you know, you have that to look forward to, um, we'll, uh, obviously be updating Twitter and all, all the social medias, um, with information on that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, Cody. Yeah, I'm really disappointed that I didn't get to talk about the one topic I wanted to talk about. You don't get to talk about it, Cody. <laughs> you just don't. <laughs> These are the breaks. <laughs> but yeah, um, as far as coming up on the next episode, I, I'm I think you know to to have the uh, to have an episode to, to preview a bowl game is yep. exciting. Um, it's one that you know 
we weren't really expecting. Um, I, I wouldn't say weren't really expecting, but there was a doubt that we would even have this episode when we started this this whole thing. And yeah, absolutely. Out. I mean, we we thought we could be uh, having season recap. We could be talking about recruiting right now, which obviously we still yep. will. But I mean, yeah, it's man, it's great to like to have to have that problem of like, how are we gonna fill a couple of weeks of content? Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's great to kind of push that recap and that recruiting um, episode back at least a couple of weeks. You know, we may be late on that one um, or on that, you know, the recruiting news, but we'll eventually get to it to say that, you know, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so de- so definitely look forward to uh, to next week, uh, learning more about Eastern Michigan and that bowl matchup in the Camellia Bowl. But uh, for now, uh, that's Cody. I'm Matt. Thanks, as always, for listening to Gotta Talk. Thank you. Hail Southern, Hail Matt. Southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gotta Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, gotta and hail Southern. Uh-huh.